Hey Firecrackers, it's Naomi and welcome to the Firecracker Department. Hello April, fancy meeting you here. How's everybody doing? Um, I'm doing okay. I have to say I've started an acting class and oh man, in times where I'm not able to practice my craft as much as I want to, it feels so good to be in class. Um, I don't know if you're taking any classes, but even when you don't get to do the thing you need to do to feel uh, creative like an artist, to take a class helps me by surrounding me with these amazing brains and hearts and uh, they're all pursuing the same sort of stuff that I'm pursuing and uh, it's really uplifting. I'm, I'm really enjoying it and I realized, you know, um, I feel like art in general but acting specifically for me is so connected to the breath and just because of the, uh, the year that has been 2020, I feel like I have disconnected from my breathing a lot and so this class is really helping me breathe more and I've started meditating. I've done it. I've jumped on the meditation wagon again. Uh, I go in and out of meditating. How do you do? Sometimes I get into a really good groove and it helps me so much and I don't know why but something just throws me off and I, I stop meditating and I start it again and I love it. I love it. It just sort of helps me center and then it also, this is the best thing for me, it also reminds me of a tool that I have on my tool belt later on. Like when things get stressful during your day, if you have that tool accessible to you, boom, I'm breathing. If I don't, boom, I'm not breathing. I feel faint. I'm going to eat chocolate. So uh, yeah, I'm eating less chocolate when I meditate. That's my, that's my thesis. You know, something the Firecracker Department core team have been discussing lately is vocabulary that we use. And I have to say, this core team, uh, they're an extraordinary group of people. And um, I just want to say thank you, not only to the core team, but to you, the community, because I can see everybody working, working to change their vocabulary, working to make sure you're being as welcoming as possible and it's it's working and it's really exciting I'm not saying it's easy and I'm not saying I don't make mistakes for sure I do uh, I have some friends who are non-binary and I am challenging myself to make sure I am using their pronouns properly and I mess up and luckily they're very forgiving and I keep trying and it's getting easier so keep trying everybody I do have to give a shout out to one of our producers of this podcast, Sydney Nielsen, who I just adore. And they actually sent this great graphics that I'll post in our Instagram and in our socials. And it's, it's like a gender neutral cheat sheet to have words at your fingertips to use to address groups instead of things like ladies and gentlemen, because that doesn't work anymore. Actually, it never did. Or guys, or ladies, or any of those things. And I love these suggestions so much. Here's a couple of them just to put into your tool belt. Um, folks, people, epic humans, team, or uh, one of my favorite, Kit Kats. Hiya, Kit Kats. I might be using that one. Or um, happy people, rad jazz cats. I think I just like anything with cats, because uh, I, I just, I think it sounds groovy. Peeps or lovelies, peep-a-doodles, what about that? 
Anyway, so those are some for your tool belt and I really applaud you all for making an effort and making mistakes and then moving forward and keeping on. So good for you and uh, keep going. It's working and um, it's great to see. Shout out and thank you to educator and author Sylvia Duckworth for the inspiration. She credits Sarah Levine at Sarah Levine Doodles and musician Mila Jam at The Mila Jam for the inspiration. Also, oh my gosh, Mila's music, come on now. I just got so hooked on this angel of a human and musician and her new single and video for Pretty One. It's just beautiful, so go check that out too. You can follow Sylvia for more social justice inspired art at Sylvia Duckworth. And of course, all those links, where are they gonna be? In our show notes, you're welcome. Here's our firecracker shout out. Hey, I'm Farm Ronnie. I am the head of the script department and I am currently based in Los Angeles. I am shouting out a very, very dear friend of mine and somebody who I've also had the incredible privilege of working alongside in many different capacities. This person is also one of our newest members of the firecracker department, which makes me so very happy. And that is Sedna Fiati. You can find out more about Sedna on her Instagram and Twitter at BeWheelsHeels. And she's going to be leading the, I think we have yet to decide on the actual name, but it's essentially the social justice department doing all kinds of amazing work as it relates to diversity and inclusion, representation, anti-oppression, anti-harassment, everything to do with what needs to see what we need to see more in this world. And I am so thrilled and I am so excited to have her be a part of this group. That's my firecracker shout out. Right? I love those two so much. Sedna, Farah. Oh boy, what, what was my world before Farah and Sedna came into it? I don't even know. I don't want to know because they have changed my world for the better. And uh, oh, I'm lucky to, I'm just lucky to be on a team with those two. They're extraordinary people. They're extraordinary Kit Kats. There, I said it, I used it, boom. All right, it's Firecracker Spotlight time. We have a brand new Real Women's Network creator spotlight for you. Now we partner with Real Women's Network, which is a new online streaming service that showcases women filmmakers and content creators. I get to sit down with one of the creators featured on the platform each month. You can go stream their shows on their platform, realwomensnetwork.com, and then listen to the podcast. It's like getting a full meal deal. I've spoken with Crystal Chappelle, one of the co-founders of Real Women's Network. Uh, I've spoken to filmmakers Andrea Evans, Emily L. Fadley, and last month, Brooke Berman. Oh man, I loved my chat with Brooke Berman. I mean, I loved my chat with all of them, but go catch up to all those discussions. Our fifth spotlight is on actor, producer, director, writer, voiceover artist, Tina Huang. Tina was born in Dallas, raised in New York City, and earned her BFA from NYU Titch School of the Arts in Directing, Acting, and Design. Oh my gosh, she's been in your favorite shows, including longtime roles like her role on Days of Our Lives and The Bold and the Beautiful, to um, Grey's Anatomy, yeah. Arrow, Shameless, The Office, Criminal Minds. Oh my gosh, so much. She's been on stage in Revenge Porn, Cult of Love, Brain Problems, 
and is a founding member of Ammo, the ammunition theater company in Los Angeles. Oh my gosh, Tina just works her butt off. It's amazing. Tina was also a member of IAMA Theater Company and co-founder of One to One Productions. One to One's mission is to champion women of color in front and behind the camera. One to One's short film, Sin, written by Tina, premiered at the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival in 2018 and had an amazingly successful festival run. It was nominated for Best Narrative Short at Black Store Film Festival and Tina won Best Performance at the Tide Festival. She co-produced and co-directed the web series Wedlocked and their newest short titled He Was Asking For It stars Tina herself. She's even co-wrote and directed Seconds in Quarantine. This is the kind of work ethics, you know, that uh, comes from somebody who does soap operas because they're so, oh my gosh, they work harder than probably any other actor because they're memorizing a new script every day. So, I mean, it does not surprise me that Tina accomplishes as much as she does. She has such a plethora of experience and in so many different facets of our industry, it was an absolute treat to speak with her. Loved my chat with Tina. Here she is, Tina Huang. I'm so happy to speak with you. I always feel like, you know, when, when I'm gearing up to talk to somebody, I spend time with them in research. So by the time I meet them, I'm like, oh, it's so great to finally meet you. Yeah, that's awesome that you do that. But a lot of people don't. So that's amazing that you go ahead and do that. It's great. Well, you know, you do what you can. I mean, there's certain, and then you just throw it all out. You've done these kind of things before where you, you do the research and you throw it all out and then you just have a, have a chat. But like, there's so many aspects of your life that resonate for me because you spin so many plates and I'm a plate spinner as well. Uh, and I want to get into that, but I first want to hear about your time. Cause I, I know that you were raised in uh, New York, Chinatown, and I want to know what living in Chinatown, New York city, which is one of my favorite places in the world. If ever I go to New York, I'm like, we, we spend a day just walking around there. Cause I, I just love it so much, but what was, um, what do you think, how do you think that influenced you being raised there? Um, I think what it did is it exposed me to a lot very young. So it was interesting when I went to college and I met a lot of people that were from smaller towns and things like nothing against it. I think that's, I'm very jealous of that existence and that upbringing. Um, but like a lot of things did, didn't really shock me and getting what was really great about growing up in New York is just always being sort of uh, surrounded with this idea of diversity, inclusivity and, uh, and things like that. So it really affected uh, my identity as an, as an artist because of that. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Was that shocking when you left then? When you realized that it wasn't all like beautiful Chinatown in New York? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I'm going to be real. I, I, I think you kind of have a love-hate relationship when you grow up in New York or in any kind of neighborhood that feels it can be a bit insular as well. And mm -hmm. I remember thinking like, you know, I grew up, my childhood was, we were not wealthy. You know, my parents had success later in life, but um, early on, we didn't have like a lot. So we had to do the best we could with what we had. And I think I had this feeling of, I got to get out. That classic yep. feeling as a kid, like I got to get out of here. I can't spend my whole life in these, in this small neighborhood. But the truth is like, it really exposed me to I, I have a deep appreciation for it now as an, as an adult, just knowing how much I've been exposed to the cult, my own culture and being away from it makes me miss it. So, so much more, you know, and during the COVID pandemic too, like Chinatown, New York has really been, been suffering. So hopefully yeah. people are going out and supporting the businesses there a little bit more. So, um, but yeah, there's, I have so many thoughts about, I'm actually 
writing a pilot about growing up there and doing yeah. a deep dive on the internet, what I could find, you know what I mean? Like just finding things that I grew up with that aren't there anymore. But um, it's, it's, it was a very yeah. special place. It's a very special place to me. Are your folks still there? My dad is, um, he still lives. Yeah. He still lives in the same place. Uh, his business is there. Uh, my mom, my oh. mom passed away, but, but, uh, but yeah, he's still there. So, so you, you were like, I got to get out of here because um, it's, it's something you grew up in. Whereas I get that so much. Like when you look back and be like, as hard as life was, it is part of who you are. Was there something that, that turned you into like, I got to get out of here. And the way I'm going to get out of here is as an artist. Yeah. I, you know, I think that's a big part of it. I think being an artist really expands uh, being exposed to art and getting that. I had a teacher in, in junior high school who believed in me as a visual artist. I was a painter and drawer and you yeah. know, drew things, but my family really traditional, they're immigrants. You know, they, they really wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer. And, you know, the classic things where I could secure a future for myself. Um, mm -hmm. But what I saw was, you know, being an artist just opens your worldview so much and, and created mm. for me a sense of empathy for others going through. So it wasn't like, oh, poor me, I have a hard life or a hard childhood. Um, it's like many people do and people need to know yeah. these stories. And so, um, yeah. Because I know you went to a performing arts school. I did. So you were like into the arts early. Like, I mean, some people kind of find the arts later in their twenties, but you were like, no, this is my vision. I'm one yeah. track, is that how it works? Yeah, it's it's kind of amazing when I think back on it because I think as a little kid, I just uh, you know I was a latchkey kid. My both my parents worked, and I you know just watched a lot of television <laughs> and yeah. didn't really see a reflection yeah. of myself on it, right? And yeah, right. I think I just felt this like I just was compelled to in, in this idea of storytelling um, in some way, shape, or form. And I, like I didn't. My parents didn't want me to go to an art high school. They didn't. Of course not. Know. What parent no. does? What parents like, please grow up to be an actor, please. <laughs> right. No, no. They, they, they wanted me to go to one of the science high schools. Um, yeah. But I'm really glad I went to LaGuardia um, and, and got exposed to that pretty young. So, uh, yeah, I, I was like a little kid just, you know, I don't know if you know, but just growing up in New York, you do travel a lot at a young age by subway, walk everywhere. I think it's just like incredible to me now when I think about how mm -hmm. little I was. I know you're a baby going to, I know I have the same thing. I mean, even looking back to like, we traveled a lot as, as a family. And when I was like seven, we lived in Switzerland and I would walk to school. And I think back going, what were you thinking letting me walk to school? Is this long walk through like really dangerous areas, this little kid, and you think that wouldn't happen now, I don't think. Well, maybe it would in different families, but. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I mean, it, yeah, it was dangerous, but in some ways you, you just think it was nice kind of, I don't think parents should like just let their kids do whatever, but I do think that there's something about that autonomy at a young age that is is great yeah. not having parents hovering after over over every single minute of the kid's schedule. There was something really yeah. uh, great for me in that. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of yeah. went against what my parents really wanted for me, but uh, I don't really know what gave me the fortitude to do so. I just, it was, it was something that was in me mm. that compelled me forward. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's kind of magical. It's kind of magical to hear that because I think some people have like guiding, <laughs> This, is, this would be a good segue if we were talking about your soap opera, if I was going to say, but a guiding light, 
uh, I was going to say like a guiding, but it's not the segue, Tina. I'm not doing that right now. But like, you know, like hearing that it was just something within you. And I yeah. get that. Like you just had the strength to pursue this goal, regardless of like nobody around you being in the arts. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want to give myself too much credit for that. I mean, I think I don't. Why not? No, I, well, I don't know. You're right. You're right. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you know, like that no. takes a lot of, I mean, that takes a lot of chutzpah to be able to have a vision that A, isn't on your TV. Right. Like, as you said, there's nothing around you that says you can do this. And you're like, I I'm still going to do it. That's extraordinary. Yeah. I, I, thank you. <laughs> no, I guess so. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what, what it was. Um, you know, and I think I still struggle with, I mean, to be totally honest with doubt. You know, I think that there's always this fear oh, of we're going to yeah. dive right in, girl, in the deep end. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm with you. I've got my swimsuit on. Let's do this. <laughs> just this like <laughs> imposter syndrome, you know, like uh, I think as a kid, I just was like, I remember hearing even from family that like you can't. I, it, again, I have my parents and my family supported me in a lot of other ways and, and I love them very much, but it's not culturally in my family, at least, I don't want to speak too broadly, uh, something they really wanted for me. So um, I knew I wanted to be the, I wanted to have some kind of ownership of my own narrative, I guess is what it is. Mm. It's weird to know that like so young, but I did, I did struggle a lot with doubt and, and them saying things like you can't be an actor because there's there, or a filmmaker or, or a creator, uh, an artist, because no one's going to accept you. It wasn't that mm -hmm. they didn't necessarily believe in me. It was more that they just thought society couldn't accept that. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's going to be hard for you. It's going to be hard to avoid for you. things being hard for you. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, it comes from yeah. a place of love, obviously. Yeah. Most but of it's the time. also, it's the, <laughs> but it's so interesting. Like, I, I think that you're not alone. And it's, it's funny. I was just speaking to our head producer, Winnie Wong, about this. And, and I was like, I, I, I wanted to talk about the challenges of growing up in an Asian family because Winnie and I t speak about that a lot and it's consistent. Uh, I know there's, there's exceptions, of course, but, um, and I was like, how do I even approach this? And if I say anything wrong in any way, I know you would call me out on it, but how, how did you manage to, I don't know, steer your ship away from the challenges of what it was like being brought up in an Asian family that was challenging to you saying, you don't wanna be an actor, that's not safe. I, I, I still, you know, I, I have to say I had a lot of teachers that encouraged me in school. Mm. You know, it was kind of like a safe, safe haven because my, my household was pretty, growing up was pretty traditional, you know? So mm -hmm. there were like the roles for the boys and the roles for the girls. And, you right. know, I can't, I don't know how strict your household was or, or Winnie's household was, but we, our household was pretty strict. So like there were times I also wasn't allowed to speak. And I think it was interesting because wow. I would go to school and I would just be just every report card, Tina talks too much. And, <laughs> you know, uh, I think it served me okay. But at the, I think growing up, it was just like this, I had a space going to school to like talk, you know, and have a voice. Wow, and, yeah. And the more I think about that, the more I realize how much that has played a role in my development as a person and an artist. Not again, wow. I, teachers, teachers, just teachers in my life. I, and um, yeah. once I got to art school, the community of artist friends that I, I had uh, had made, you know, that, that, really, mm -hmm. that really helped push me through all of, all of the doubt.
That's fantastic. And when you talk about, um, you know, imposter syndrome and self-doubt, like, I don't think we ever get rid of that. Like, I think that if you talk to like Helen Mirren, she'd be like, yeah, yeah, sometimes I feel like they're going to find me out. Like I do, I think that, and, and you know, you're, you're a working actor, director, writer consistently. And yet, like you have a documentation, if you want to science and art it, you've got documentation that tells you that you have a consistent career. And yet there's part of you that thinks this is my last job. Yes, this is my last job, or I don't deserve to be here, or who do I think I am, or, you know, or I, I mm -hmm. think I for, I think I forgot how to do this. You know what I mean? Like every yeah. project you yeah. start, I think I forgot how to do yeah. this. I don't know how to approach, approach this. And that's, that's a fascinating sensation, especially when you've been doing yeah. something for 20 years, you know? Um, right? Yeah, yeah. I think some therapy would I be mean, helpful. <laughs> oh, God. Everybody, everybody go, go run and get into therapy as yes. fast as you can. Um, was there a time that you, like, there was there a tipping point where you saw somebody that represented your dreams and you thought, okay, that's going to get out of the situation? The, the only people I can really think of that I saw growing up doing it was Margaret Cho um, as an Asian woman being a stand-up comedian. I thought she was just yeah. hilarious and out there and so brave. Um, and of course, Lucy Liu, who was on Ally McBeal. <laughs> so I got those two examples right. and I thought, you know, it, it was already, I was already a teenager at that point, but I, seeing that it was possible was, was encouraging to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and it wasn't really about getting out of, yeah. uh, my neighborhood or the circumstance. It was much more about breaking out of my own mental prison about like what my, you know, just getting, breaking out of my own limitations that I've had to accept that I was setting for myself. And I still do it to this day, right? Mm -hmm. I think, I feel like even as w just women working in, in filmmaking or creating, we put these barriers up for ourselves for no reason, just because we just think that they should exist or they have existed or, or something. So, um, and they do, yeah. and they do, they do exist in reality too. But a lot of it is for me, personal goals that I have to set and, and break through, you know? There's enough people in the world that are going to put limitations yeah. on us. Why would I put limitations on exactly. myself? You just like, where do you think that comes exactly. from? It's not. I, I think it's just like you said, just having, uh, it, it's like I was saying to my, my husband, I was saying, oh, you know, it's funny when now, like I'm 39, I'm, I'm a, I guess I would say I would define myself as a feminist and, and I say, it's not because I decided that label was something that I wanted. It's just living my life as I am. And just through the experience mm -hmm. of being a woman in the world, I go, oh, there are a lot of things that are not fair. <laughs> a lot of things that I have to work harder for and a lot of things that I am not represented by. Um, mm -hmm. And that has made me what you would call a feminist, right? Which I don't think is a bad word, um, mm -hmm. but it's through earning that uh, title too. Uh, so mm -hmm. I think it's, it's the same thing. Like, I don't think we all only have struggle. But I think breaking into any industry or working in any industry, you can only go by the example that is ahead of you. And then when there isn't much, right? Of course, you're going to internalize that and go, yeah, there's limitations here, you know? But it's like but the bad examples too. When I see like, you know, like my grandmother studied to be a doctor and then I'm first generation Canadian. And when they left Lithuania, she had to become a veterinarian because it was a shorter um training for and they didn't believe that a woman would be a doctor when they left so but 
having that vision of her struggle, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to have that struggle. I mean, I'll have other struggles, but having that kind of, uh, of, of uh, inspiration around you too. Yeah. I mean, my mom, you know, was a big, is a big hero of mine. And she, she's someone who immigrated to the United States, not really speaking much English and, you know, built a mm-hmm. whole career for herself. And she also sponsored her sisters to come to the United States and took care wow. of her mom. And, you know, she's kind of, she was the oldest of, of, uh, I think they're five, five sis, five kids. So and they're all girls. And that's like difficult also in an Asian family. You know, they didn't know who was going to be making the money and who was going to be, you know, supporting my grandpa, grandfather had a farm in, in Taiwan. So um, my mom kind of as the eldest was helping on the farm side, helping with the business, helping raise the kids, you know, doing all of this stuff. Um, and she, she, and when she came to the States, you know, she had to basically rebuild everything. Like, you know, she went to college in Taiwan, but what does that mm-hmm. mean in the United States? And she always had a charming smile. Yeah. I don't know how she did it. I think people thought she was less intelligent because she spoke, didn't speak much English um, or she had an accent. So people treated her like she wasn't highly intelligent, but she was, you know what I mean? And she did it all with this I don't know how she yeah. did a gracious, gracious smile. I, I'm a lot more like a hammer. <laughs> My mom was, was like, you know, yeah. she had finesse. She just had this finesse about her and she was so yeah. funny. So funny. Wow. So yeah, her example. What was, a, what was your mom's example. first name? Rosanna. Rosanna. I just, I love when people say the first names of the people that they love. Cause it's like, if I say Rosanna, it's a very different color than if you say it. So I love, I love seeing that. Um, But now, was there a time in your career that you realized that you were going to be okay in the arts? Because it's not an easy journey and you're not, you're not going to get any support from your family who said you've made the wrong choice. So was there a time you went, oh, okay, I'm an actor. I'm a director. I'm a writer. I'm going to be okay. Uh, Naomi, am I going to be okay? (laughs) Like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, I I know, but like how many days have you been on? It's hard. Yeah. But, and yeah. yet, like, as you said, like 20 years, yeah. right? You've been on uh, Bold and the Beautiful and you've been on uh, Days of Our Lives. Like those are not necessarily secure jobs because who knows your twin might come along and eat you. <laughs> that's what I know about soap operas. Um, Watch, that's going to be the next storyline that comes There's out. no security <laughs> in that. Did you feel what, like when you booked those roles where you're like, okay, I'm on my way a little bit at least? Yeah. I felt, I felt grateful to be working, especially during coronavirus and everything that's going on and, um, mm-hmm. uh, and having such a great time working on those, on those projects. Do I feel like, okay, I'm going to be fine. I, I think that's a, a mental trick. I got to teach myself and continue to train myself, a, a pra- mm-hmm. basically a practice. I have to practice every day. I'm going to be okay. You know, cause I am, I am in a better position mm-hmm. than a lot of people. I'm, I'm very grateful and very aware of that. Um, but I think it's, it's a daily struggle, you know, even I, yeah, I was on a show, another show for, for five years and I, I didn't Rizzoli and Isles and I, and I don't think I ever felt like I'm okay. Do you know what I mean? I think that's a mm-hmm. longer journey, mm-hmm. a longer journey for Tina personally to get to like, you're going to be okay. I think, unfortunately, it is like what drives me to to work on so many things and to do the thing you said, spinning all the plates, right? I think 
that's what motivates me mm-hmm. to do all those things. It, it, maybe it's not the best motivation, <laughs> but yeah. it is some kind of motivation to keep me going and to keep working hard. Um, yeah. Oh my God, you have so many projects going on and it doesn't seem like you rest on a project. Like some people might be like, oh, bold and beautiful and good night, everybody. And yet <laughs> it looks like what you did was spin that into the next thing and look into directing. When, when did that that new journey start with you as a director writer? Uh, I, I actually went to school for directing. I went to, cause I went to NYU Tisch School of the Arts and I was at Playwrights Horizons Theater School. And so I was directing and acting and designing. Leave it to me to be an overachiever. But um, <laughs> yeah, I saw the yeah. I know I saw the credits, and I'm like directing, acting. Like it does seem like um, you're going to study to be a lawyer, mechanic, and doctor at the same time. <laughs> it just seems like a lot of different plates. No, yeah, I it it was it is a lot, but I think it all really interests me. I think you know, thankfully now yeah. in Hollywood, you know or I feel like in the industry, people are kind of, are really embracing actor, writer, directors, content creators. And I think mm-hmm. maybe I just felt like, I, what, again, it goes back to that insecurity as a, as a young artist going, I don't know if I'm gonna be accepted into this world. So I should learn, I'm not gonna be a doctor or a lawyer and give up on my dream, but I should probably learn how to do these other things too. And I, and I think the motivation of, of writing recently and, and directing is just, I wanted to take more agency over my career and um, mm-hmm. just diversify what I can do and what I wanna do. It's so, so smart to know that um, you wanna take the reins of your career, but also take the reins of your industry. Yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know if it's a, it feels almost like a necessity, you know. Like you have to do all these things. Yeah, you know. So. Um, yeah. Now. Yeah. Now, for sure. And I and I don't know how to. Again, the I I've been lucky enough to work, and I've also worked hard to get to to where I can work consistently. But I still haven't had that it's it is kind of like being an addict you know acting or creating art it's like i still haven't had that thing where i feel like ooh, i scratched that itch so good or like you know mm. oh mm. that's the thing i can, mm-hmm. I, can I can i can show my peers that i'm 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 worthy of being here you know what i mean or like i or i've mm-hmm. deeply deeply profoundly touched something that i want to express in a, as an artist i still haven't had that thing yet right so i'm searching for it yeah that that quest is I, like the creation part yeah and i see that like i see that with your projects like things like she mm-hmm. uh but like that and wedlock like i can see you on a journey of like what's the thing that's going to be the, the scratching that itch project like if you could paint the picture like if i gave you an envelope and said here it is here's the project that's going to help you scratch the itch don't you think that plate spinners like us will be like, okay, I've scratched that itch. And while I was doing that, I got a whole other set of scratches over here that I got to itch or itches I got to scratch. Totally. You're, I think, I think being unsatisfied <laughs> is just, you know, I, 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 no, but I think we like being uncomfortable. Like, I think I, I had to like accept yeah. that. I think I just really like being uncomfortable. My husband always says that like my fight, fight or flight mechanisms broken that like, whenever I'm afraid, I lean in harder, which maybe means you shouldn't yeah. you know, have me near 
a volcano or something, but like, you know, I, I, I think I have to, yeah, I just got to accept that. Like, I think I like being uncomfortable, even though I protest like that, you know what I mean? But mm -hmm. every mm -hmm. single project, even if it doesn't scratch the itch, right. It scratches some itch. I have amazing, an amazing creative partner, um, Carla Mosley, who, who yeah. co-founded one-to-one -one productions with me. And she's such an incredible human being. Um, and also just brilliant and talented and uh she really pushes me forward and and i do the same for her and it's it's amazing to have that kind of community with someone that that gets it mm -hmm. oh my gosh yeah i mean you've done lots of projects together because you have such great chemistry was there a tipping point for that uh, relationship where you were like okay enough like because i i know like one-to-one -one spaces is that you're uh working to be one-to-one -one, level the playing field uh, yes. with equality, not only in people of color, but also uh, female representation. Yes. So was there a tipping point that you were talking with Carla and went, yeah, right, that's it. I'm <laughs> drawing a logo on this napkin and we're going to start one to one. Oh, so so we we were in a play together and we were also both, you know, auditioning for shows and, you know, to, to make money. <laughs> um, and she's an actress as well. And I think we both were really frustrated with a the breakdowns we were getting the breakdown like tells you what the character mostly for women what they look like um yeah. but you know pretty but doesn't know it <laughs> she's also a paleontologist you know like stuff like yeah. that that i think just made us laugh and <laughs> it just like frustrated us you know it was like oh she must be really gorgeous but yeah so humble and also a genius you know and um I, I think it was just frustrating. And and the two of us just thought, you know, uh, and also this, like, there was a, there's a kind of, there was a kind of tokenism and there still is a tokenism that exists where you'd say like all the other roles are default, like Caucasian roles. And then anything that was a person of color was all ethnicities. So now Carla and I are, you know, having to go in for the same roles, which is fine. But why is the default like why is that one character all ethnicities and, and the other roles yeah. are not considered that way? So you know, we we both yeah. were like, we gotta change something, we just gotta make something, we gotta make something we care about and just mm -hmm. like and also not just for us to be in, but like to work with other women that we know are super talented that don't really get the opportunities. Um, and that was 2016, and that was just in the car ride to rehearsal. And the next thing you know, I was like, all right, we're doing a meeting. Yeah. We started having meetings and uh, birthing ideas and reaching out. We took, we sat down with so many women across, you know, our, our neighborhoods and in, in Los Angeles and Hollywood, like sat down with us for like an hour for coffee and just like, what are your grievances? Mm -hmm. What are your successes? What do you want to do? 2016. So it was a little early still for like the, the, the bigger movement, which is happening now and it, which is so awesome. But, um, we just got to reconnect mm -hmm. with a lot of women and go, why don't we all just, we all have the talent to make this happen. So like, why don't we make it happen? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you were, you know, that whole movement, I feel like uh, that the movement was there for so long, but it was more of an awakening. Like when um, George Floyd yeah. got murdered, it was an awakening. It wasn't like, oh, there's a new movement at foot. <laughs> like that's been ongoing. And did you find yourself shifting? Like you'd already been, like you were already leading that march and did you find yourself shifting when the surge happened 
Um, I don't think we found ourselves shifting. Shifting. I think what we found was that there were a lot of people like us doing work this way, mm-hmm. and a lot of mm-hmm. people wanting to, uh, you know, increase visibility, amplify voices, un- underserved voices. Uh, it's part of a basis of our, even our theater company. Um, but it was more of like a moment of coalescence. It was a synergy. It was more like ugh, everybody suddenly wanted to be in it together. I I, I felt mm-hmm. a shift with women women in general artists like saying instead of like oh we're all have to you know fight each other for the one spot it's like whoa i can just like reach down and lift you up and be like hold the door open for you you know there's more than one spot like we've been given this mentality of uh scarcity yeah. scarcity i don't know how if i'm pronouncing it right yeah but- i like scarcity because it has a scar in it that i don't <laughs> mind that at all well okay <laughs> fine the mentality of scarcity you know like the <laughs> idea that is only room for one of us or two of us, but we're not each other's competition. We're each other's community. So I think that's the shift that I kind of saw, which is amazing. And, uh, you know, one-to-one has been such a gift for both of us and a a learning experience um, to, to be producing. And it was interesting. We would interview people for projects we were working on and so many talented women would immediately start talking down their quote do you know what i mean like oh i'm I'm Mm. x figure and this is like small independent projects right so it's not a lot of budget anyway so as a producer you're like oh i want to be able to get the best person for this x dollars right but at the same time Mm -hmm. both me and carla had to say to people like don't you don't need to immediately lower your quote like yeah that's okay like just say what your quote is that's fine we haven't said no yet exactly you know we want to work if we want to work with you we'll figure it out we'll raise the funds and 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 get you get you on the project um yeah and not 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 all men i mean we had a lot of we have a lot of male allies that support our work and producers that have supported you know people that have supported us financially um but we, we did interview some, some DPs and, and people like that who were just, I need, a, I need to see the budget and I need to know how much I have for the camera department and I need to have this quote and I need to be able to give camera this and you know what I mean? Like it was really mm-hmm. interesting, um, the dynamic uh, uh, with that, uh, that exists. Like maybe the one-to-one is the, is the itch you're scratching though because it feels like you're really doing purposeful work with that. We are, we are. I mean, it's a, it's an uphill battle. Like, so we've been so lucky to have just amazing experiences so far and the things we've made just been such a joyous, each project has Mm -hmm. been so joyous. Um, But, you know, it's hard to find, to raise money. It's, as you know, it's, it's hard to make Mm -hmm. things happen. It's hard to sustain ourselves. So we're, we're still figuring it out, especially, you know, after, COVID, we, we've kind of taken a mm-hmm. long break. Um, not, but not really. We still meet every sure. week. We've still been in like virtual film festivals. We're still trying to keep it all going um, and, and plan on launching, shooting mm-hmm. a project at the, later in the year, at the end of the year. So we'll see, you know. And so this is where I started this conversation because you are a plate spinner. I recognize the plates. They might be the different colors, but they're similar plates. How, how do you balance that? How do you balance the world of when you're on set and you're supposed to be an actor, but you're also a producer, director, and writer? <laughs> how do you adjust your thinking for that? Oh, boy. Um, 
I thought you were going to say balanced Tough, right? life. And I was like, uh, yeah, I thought you were going to say balanced life. And I was thinking, oh, you just don't sleep. You have severe insomnia like myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I think, you know. Oh, yeah. Life's a whole other thing. Yeah. It's a whole other thing. Yeah. No, I, I think it's recognizing, recognizing my control freakness and <laughs> like going, you know what? It's okay to not be in the driver's seat because so many other people have so much knowledge to share beyond yours and experience to share beyond yours. So mm-hmm. I think it really is the, the literal or like the metaphorical saying, you know, taking that hat off. Sometimes I have to go like this, like mm-hmm. physicalize it myself to go, you're taking that hat off right now. Just be here, be present. And, you know, as an actor, do what they say. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like tough. It's, it's tough. so tough. Like I was watching because you wrote, he was asking for it, right? No, no. Uh, a, a good friend of mine, she's a hilarious comedy writer, Debbie June. Um, that's her pen name. Uh, she's, you know, Persian American. And uh, yeah, she's, she's a dear friend. And she, she had this idea for this short and um, actually started writing it when Brock Turner, I don't know if you know the story of Brock Turner. So Debbie wrote it and um, she's never been, she's always shied away from political ideas. And so we wanted to encourage her. And so I was surprised that she's like, oh, I want to write this thing because I'm really upset by it. And so Mm -hmm. me and Carla just really wanted to encourage her to pursue it and make it happen. So she wrote that. I wrote, I wrote Sheen, our other project. But is it hard to be like, oh, they're not getting that shot that they need. Oh, this this is this we're running out of daylight time like is it hard for you to take that hat off and how do you because that's an that was an emotional piece of work that you had to go through so you needed to have all your emotions on the table yeah I luckily we had Carla and I had assembled a really amazing team and I think I don't think I could have Mm -hmm. done that and felt safe and felt protective protected if we didn't create this environment with this amazing team. Um, Kimri Lewis directed it. Mm-hmm. She's a, we went to college together. She's also very brilliant and talented um, on a show called Kenyan. She's also an actress. So she actor, she gets it. Um, and she, I just, we, mm-hmm. we had so many production meetings and so many discussions about the script and the ideas and where, where the thing was going to go. And she made sure to protect me as well. Like Tina's an actor today, you know, give her the space she needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and Carla, Carla too, when as a co-producer, you know, really just really made the space for me, which was really fantastic. Um, we also hired a, on mm-hmm. that production, a production coordinator so that on the day as producers, since we were both acting in it, had someone else kind of dealing with logistics, ordering lunch, you know, kind of keeping us on track. Yeah. Um, yes. But, but it, what we were still, you know, we didn't completely take off our producer's hat. We, we had to answer questions and, you know, make sure we were getting everything covered. And um, just like the really big scenes, um, mm-hmm. we knew we, we needed to have that kind of backup. So, yeah, I, we wouldn't have been able to do it without uh, Angela Barrett, our amazing AD, and, and Kimry Lewis as the director, and having the writer on set, too, who was also acting mm-hmm. in it, Debbie June. It was just, yeah, it was a dream. It was a dream. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we're in a time now that we have to just accept that we're all wearing multitude of hats and get used to that focus split. Yeah. And, 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 and knowing when you can, like even Sheen, you know, I wrote that and it's a very personal piece. Uh, 
it's based uh, loosely, well, a lot on my experience with my mother when she was, mm-hmm. when she passed away. And people often ask me why I didn't direct it because it's so personal. Um, mm-hmm. And Disha Deshawn, who's an amazing woman, amazing director, very talented. Um, she did an amazing job. Uh, I trusted her. It's because I was so close to it. And sometimes yeah. you think you know the answers, but you really might not. Do you know what I mean? And so there's this weird push and pull on, yeah. on set or creating your own work where it's a, a push and pull of, I know what needs to get done. I, I know how it needs to get done, but the whole point is collaboration because someone might have a better way or a more mm-hmm. interesting way or an interesting perspective. So creating that space, I mean, it's the nature of collaboration and I love it. I love collaborating. So I guess the egoistic side of me is like, yeah, I want to take control. But the other side is like, this is going to be so much better with everyone else that we have here if they have a voice and I just like sit (laughs) for a second, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, especially for something like Sheen where that is so personal. Was that hard to expose that part of your heart with Sheen then? Because it was so close to you. Yeah, um, I was definitely, I, I, I was in a lot of pain um, leading up to mm-hmm. writing Sheen. And it wasn't that long after I had lost my mother that I started writing it. I don't know what happened. I just I had a dream that I woke up and I was like, I have to start writing this. And uh, I, I, I remember somewhere halfway through, I told, told Carla about it. And she was like, this should be our first project for one-to-one. And um, mm-hmm. I said, who wants to hear about this sad, sad stuff that I'm going through? Like, it feels so, and this is the other part of my brain that we were just talking about where you cut yourself down. But I was like, nobody wants to hear about this. Everybody wants to laugh. Nobody wants to you know what I mean? Like uh, nobody cares about my story. Why would anyone care about this? It's so vain. Mm-hmm. I thought it was vain. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and she just encouraged me and we, we found D and we, you know, brought Disha into the project and they both really, and, and our DP, my DP, Chris Lowe, who is an NYU graduate and an amazing cinematographer he and director. He, um, they all just, kept pushing me forward and maybe saw something that I, I mm. really couldn't see except for my grief. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. They just pushed me along. They really believed in me and, and that's sometimes you need someone even, even through the bad drafts of the, of the thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think the hard part was like wondering if I was exploiting my mom and my experience if I was going to hurt my other family members by telling the story. Um, Mm -hmm. I I, I think like, especially with what we were talking about being from a traditional family or an Asian family, the big thing was like, I didn't want to disappoint or um, expose family stuff or, you know, there was a lot of things, like I said, Oh my God, I can't, I can't tell the story till everyone's dead. (laughs) Like just like, it's scary. It's really scary. It's really, really scary. Yeah. But I had like an amazing peop- group of people behind me that just believed in it and believed in me. And 
um, on the day, we lost the day of shooting. We lost the location the day before. Uh, a, a full a three oh day, sh- yeah, four day shoot turned into a three day shoot, or was it a three day shoot turned into a two day shoot? She, Carla would remember. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it, it was a lot of that stuff. So, but luckily, again, I had people like Carla and Disha on set to to when the when the moments yeah. came, protected those moments for me. Um, yeah, working working with women is really great. Yeah, tell me what what do you find different about that in the experience in my projects is like there's a much different approach in terms of giving space for collaboration and also not necessarily about mm-hmm. knowing that we got the product but knowing that we uh live through the process you know there there's like a there's never any there's never been oh, anyone yelling about losing light there's never been anyone yelling about you know we got to get the shot there's no and there's not like just like there there's a lot of there's just a, it seems like a lot more empathy and compassion happening. And I, I think for the stories we particularly told in the last few shorts, that was necessary. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. It does. I think, uh, I think you're absolutely right. And looking back to Sheen, are, are, did you have any regrets? Are you happy with how it was portrayed? Cause I know, what you said about like people need to laugh, but I think they need stories like that too, because it is so relatable. And I, I can imagine it was very painful for you to go through the process of putting that out there. Yeah, you know, I don't regret it because I don't regret anything about that because once it was in the festivals and going and seeing it with live audiences and doing the Q and A's, um, so many people were, could relate to it and so many people were touched by it um mm. so many people came up and shared their own stories of loss and grief and um also coming from a family like an immigrant family like my own and being first generation american born in america um it, you know that all became a learning experience i had no idea how in- integral making this film was going to be to my healing um as crazy mm. as it sounds and as painful as it was i felt happier and, and, you know, Carla said to me, she said, you know, that's what artists do. You know, we, we tell, we write from our experiences. We, we, we tell the story, even if we can't see that it'll, it'll matter to anyone. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't regret it. Cause I think, I think at the end of the day, it, it meant a lot to a lot of people. And I felt, I felt less alone. And I think, I think a lot of people that saw it felt less alone. And is this the world you thought you'd be in in 2021? Like, did you think you'd be playing, like when you were at school, did you think you'd be playing doctors and, and captains and those kind of roles? Or were you like, I want to play this kind of role? Are you living a life you want to live? Yeah, I, I am. I, you know, I, I used to always joke, my parents could be proud that I, that I'm a doctor, at least on TV, yeah. or a lawyer on TV, you know? <laughs> I know. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I am, you know, I think when you're, when you're an overachiever like myself, <laughs> you lose sight of that. So it's a good reminder always that like, you know, I'm living the life I created. I'm living, you know, it, there's always complaints and yeah. grievances and things that challenges. Right. But gosh, overall, I am so lucky, so grateful. And I, I am, I get to I get to play pretend. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I get to. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. And work with people I really like. And uh, yeah, I just, it's just, 
it, yes, yes. I'm, I'm living the life I want to live. Yes. You're living the life that you want because you've designed it. Like I have to recognize the fact that you have like put yourself in a place where you're like, you know, as I said, you could take the money that you earned from the series that you've been on and just be like, I'll be, I'll be playing Sudoku by the pool. Or you could make something one-on-one. -on -one. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of that kind of uh, rain holding. Oh, but you guys are doing the same thing with firecracker department, right? Like I, it's, it's really impressive. Sure, but what yeah. But it's because we're doing this together, right? Like, I mean, right. yes, I'm very proud of the team and what we're all creating together, but I'm also so inspired by people like you that lean into the volcano. I'm kind of celebrating that you've created your own adventure here that has led you to making an impact. And so one-to-one -on -one is actually something that you, you have that's uh, really purposeful. Oh, that's, that's, really, that's really lovely. That means a lot to me. Um... Yeah, I think um, we forget to count all the things that we've built and like, you know, mm -hmm. I think, you know, we keep pushing forward and, and sometimes we let the struggle become the narrative. Does that make sense? Mm. Uh -huh. And, and you're yeah. right, like this necessity to celebrate what we've built and, and the community, like, I'm so happy to connect with you. How's, but, and how's the balance? How's your balance? Are you, are you doing like, I know you're not sleeping because you're a workaholic, but, and you have a husband that obviously has married into the workaholism uh, dream. Uh, so, but how's your balance? Is there something lacking that you wish you were doing more of and something that you wish you were doing less of? You know, this, this, the silver lining to lockdown and quarantine is really just reevaluating where I'm putting my energies. What do I really want? Um, don't ask me what I really want yet. <laughs> like, you know, you know, just reevaluating those things and also just taking a few things off the plate that, you know, just a few things like really curating instead of like gorging myself on a buffet, but like really curating where my energies go so that I can, mm -hmm. so that I can move forward so that I can do all the things that I want to do. Um, there, there's a, there's a thing in, in Hamilton when, did you see Hamilton by any chance? Yes. Yes. Loved it. There's that song where he talks about like, or they say a lot, like, why are you writing? Like you're running out of time. And I can kind of relate to that feeling, yes. you know, like. I think about that all the time, Tina. That's so funny. You're bringing that up. Okay. Tell me how you relate. And then I'll tell you. Well, no, I just, I just relate to that feeling that I, I feel like I'm running out of time always. So I would yeah. always, so I'm over, I burn the candle at both ends and then I'm exhausted. And then I, I've, essentially sucked a lot of joy out of what I do for yeah. myself. You know what I mean? And that's not, mm -hmm. that's not healthy either. I don't think I, I don't want to like glorify being a workaholic. I don't think that that's the way to be. So, so right now I'm trying to consciously still do as many of the things I want to do, like, but, but be very intentional and curate exactly what it is I'm putting on my plate that I'm spinning in the air. Too many metaphors, mm -hmm. but like, I'm with you. Know, you. I'm so with you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like yeah. we gotta, we just gotta be careful about and, and do the self-care. So the thing that I would want to do more of, which, well, the first thing I love to do is, is travel and just experience different people in different communities and different cultures and different languages, different food. Um, <laughs> but um, can't do that right now, but I, I, I need to, I realize I need to go look at the ocean more. Yeah. I need to take a walk in the woods more. 
I need to just be in nature a little bit more, you know, and just be like, you know, this, this, that's what really recharges me and makes me feel a part of this planet, a part of humanity, a part of, you know, the thing that unites us all. Um, I wish I did that more. I'm trying. I'm really, <laughs> really, I'm trying though. I yeah. do put conscious effort towards that. Yeah, it's so interesting you bring that up because my, my father passed away in December and oh, he had that same, thank you. He had that same kind of like running out of time feeling. Mm. And I think, I, and I, I know that drives, it drives me in a way to make sure that I'm doing the things that need to be done, mm -hmm. but it's also exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I think there's a, a thing about like, uh, again, like this idea that struggle becomes our narrative, but I don't want that to be true. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, and just like knowing the difference of when you need to put some gas in the, you know, put your foot on the gas and when you need to like, just ease up a little bit on the throttle, yeah. you know, or like, you know, just don't push it, don't pump so hard. Um, but I did, I do have that feeling. I think part of it is being a woman of color and, uh, an actress, I like to say actor, but I guess some people wonder why I say actor, but you don't say doctress. So, um, but, no, it's what you want. Yeah. You're, you're um, your own boss. It's what I'm you my want. own. I'm my own. Yeah. I'm my own boss. Um, but <laughs> yeah, no, it, you know, there's a, there's this artificial timeline. I think people, there's a lot of pressure to be a young, bright thing, to be a young genius. There's all these 30 under 30 lists. There's all these you know, and I think we should celebrate youth and celebrate people that are creating in their youth. But, you know, there are a multitude of people that that either generationally or the timing wasn't right or they're before their time or whatever. There isn't that opportunity to feel that. So I think there is this idea that mm -hmm. you have a shelf life. Um, and if you're not creating something brilliant yeah. when you're 20, then you're never going to be brilliant. And I don't know. I think I think. I'm buying more and more into this as humans. We're like, we just get better, like with time, experience, you know, mm -hmm. emotional, emotional uh, maturity, like a wine, <laughs> like a good Cabernet. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, you know. So hopefully we all get older and hopefully as we get older, we find our place more securely and I don't know. I think it, I think nature is a really smart thing to bring up. I think I think people like you and I will will die leaving a list of things we still want to do, and I think that's just part of it, right? Don't yeah. you think? Yeah. I mean, uh, when my mom was sick, I mean, you know, it's interesting because we have that in common. You said something about your you said your father recently passed away, um, and that mm -hmm. does when you when you lose a parent. And, and you're still like developing as an adult. <laughs> I know I said I'm 39, but I'm still developing as an adult. I haven't figured it all out. Still, yet. yeah, I get it. And, yeah, and, and losing her was major. Like it was kind of this earth shattering thing where I was like, what did she not do in her life that I know that she would have wanted to do? You know, she always wanted to see Hong yeah. Kong. So I'm like, do I yes. take some of her ashes to Hong Kong? She always wanted to, there's so many things like, you know, be madly in love, do, you know, travel uh, just so much. Um, but I made a bucket list while, while she mm -hmm. was sick and I started doing, okay. them and, and I was dragging some friends on from, for some, for some awesome. courage, but like, they all are like, why are you, are you, is there something you need to tell us? Like, why are you doing a bucket list? Like, are you okay? And I'm like, 
Yeah. No, I'm fine. I just don't really, I just realized <laughs> I don't understand the concept of waiting till you're like really, really old or, or, or about to die to accomplish the things on your bucket list. I realized I was letting yeah. so much of my life pass by mm -hmm. trying to achieve something rather than making something of the time I do have. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I guess there's just so much about time that. that, that, that strikes yeah. me here. Yeah. yeah. I don't know where that comes from, but I do, I, you and I have a very clear sense of time being limited. I don't know why, but it's, it's in, it's in our makeup. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's a lot of things. I think it's, it's, um, I think a lot of it is societal, you know, but you can reclaim those limitations about time and what they say about the time you have left and go, no, I, I understand. I have a limited amount of time. Let me, let me, let me try to find the ways to celebrate that time. You're, you're so good. Yeah. Celebrate. You're, you're exactly right. Celebrate is the word of the day. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Uh, Tina, I'm so, I'm so glad to have time with you. Um, we have, I have some firecracker wrap up questions. Oh, right on. Fill in the blank. To me, a firecracker is. They used to litter the street. Uh, during Chinese New Year's in Chinatown. And it was one of my favorite yeah. things. That visual is really amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, what do you want to be best known for? Being a badass. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think just creating work and, and creating opportunities for others and also being respected as an actor and a creator. Yeah. Awesome. What are two words to describe your present state of mind? A roller coaster. That's good. What is something that people don't know about you? I often, I don't know if this is true, but I often wonder if people actually know who I am hmm. and as, a, as a human. I mean, like even my close friends and family, but I think that's a motivator that keeps me creating. Do you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's really interesting. I think, um, I, don't, I, think yeah. I don't know who I am and I'm figuring it out. <laughs> right? I think that's never ending though. Like when you say like, I'm still learning, I hopefully we'll still learn until the end. Yeah. 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 Hopefully. Um, what has been your favorite mistake and what did you learn from it? I have so many mistakes. I don't know if any of them are favorite. <laughs> I guess, I guess one of them I was thinking about recently, a major one was that, uh, you know, I, I applied to go to a fancy private school when I was in, in New York thinking like, that's the way to success. Mm -hmm. I didn't end up going. Um, and I just think about, Oh, I would have been surrounded by all these wealthy people that are very connected in New York and all these kinds of stuff, uh, you know, it would have just been a totally different life, mm -hmm. but I don't, I realize I don't want that. I mean, look, if you have money, you want to give to one-to-one -one productions, one for one productions.com <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> but, yeah. but you know, like, I love the people in my life. They're so inspiring and so interesting. And um, I guess it's not a mistake, but I, at the time, maybe I thought it was a mistake to not go to that school, hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I sure do. Um, what's something that you haven't done yet? So this is your bucket list discussion, but what's something you haven't done yet that you know you have to do? Oh boy, that I have to do. Yeah, you got to do it. Well, I jumped out of an airplane. Um, I think I know I have to go to Taiwan. 
mm-hmm. and bring and and bring my mom's ashes there. I haven't done that yet. Just so yeah, sorry, that was a little sad, but I uh, no. I do. That's on the list. That's that I must do. I must. Yeah. I got that too. I'm, I'm like on a uh, journey to Lithuania at some point. Same sort of thing. We'll, we'll, we'll blog about it or something. We'll share. We sh- the oh, we should. Like, that's actually kind of an interesting idea because I feel yeah. like we're a bunch of, bunch of children carrying our parents' ashes until we can take them back to the country that they were born in. Yes. Yes. I mean, I was thinking about just like taking little bits for ashes yeah probably not, be okay, like to different parts i'm not gonna take all of it yeah 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 i'm gonna take some to england some to my brother get some i get a little bit yeah she's yeah. she's also gonna spread herself then yeah yeah <laughs> you're gonna make her be an overachiever as well yeah i'm gonna yeah, yeah. i think yeah i think yeah. i want to yeah i just want to take her to places she she always wanted to go i i apparently you need a license to do that but i think i have a little card that says i can do that but um i think you need a little card i think you're right yeah yeah you need a little card. but also who's gonna find out if it's like talcum powder that you put on your face or a little bit of mum true that (laughs) (laughs) put in your toiletry bag and you're all set but but yeah like i i I would actually be really cool if we did talk about if we did do these trips and we did share experiences because i think it's I've only been to Taiwan when I was like 14 once. So mm-hmm. I like, I want to go back and like experience it as an adult and see how much I can dig up about my family too, because yeah. I don't know about you, but my family did not like to talk about the past. Did not like to talk about it. Yeah. We have some interesting background as well, but I'm curious hundred percent. Yeah. So oh, there we go. We got a project together, Tina. Yes. There we go. Now we yes. have to see each other. It's the best <laughs> way when you, when you find somebody that you like a lot, then it's the best way to hang out with them is to have a project just develop a project together yeah we should no we should we definitely should i love yeah. that i love that i'm excited um, <laughs> um what is uh, so we spent i always love like sort of uh paying it forward a little bit uh-huh. um do you have somebody that is in your world that's a firecracker that we can shine a little light on right now and uh, and give a shout out well, Carla, definitely Carla Mosley is a firecracker and can use some, uh, some, some love and, and be highlighted because she's just a, such an incredible person and inc- incredible yeah. creator. Uh, also, I would say Kimberly Lewis, I, the director, Debbie, Debbie June, the writer of he was asking for everybody on the projects that, that we've worked on. Um, yeah. I had a really, uh, also wedlocked. I have to squeeze in the discussion of wedlock because uh because carla was in that as well so you can see carla wrote it co-created that carla carla yeah carla co-created uh wedlocked and she stars in it and she's amazingly charming and (laughs) funny in it and real and real you know we were doing it it was it's a comedy and she's like should we be afraid of like the serious moments i said no it's real there's a serious moment yeah but she's she's great um but yeah Oh gosh, uh, Carolyn Radaray is the next person we're going to be producing one of her projects with. Um, sort of a, a really interesting story that's that's a series that we're going to make, and um, it's kind of in this, the queer world, um, set in the queer polyamory world. So she's she's a really yeah. interesting director creator. Um, so yeah, there's, lot, there's so many firecrackers. I can't. You're going to get a string of firecrackers yeah. rather than. <laughs> I love that though. I love like just the reverberation of like the celebration pa- pa- being passed on. I think it's, I think it's important. Um, yeah. My final question is advice, advice you would have given to your younger self. Oh man. 
focus on your fans, you know, <laughs> take it easy on yourself. Yeah. Take it easy, you know? Yeah. Focus on your fans is a really good one. Yeah. Like surround yourself with fans. Don't, don't get drawn in towards like folks that are jerks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And also don't be uh, stingy with being a champion for others. Like it comes mm -hmm. back around, like give and support and shout people out and, you know, and it, it's just so rewarding on so many levels. So all of those things, focus on your fans and, and be fans of others. Well, that's a lovely segue because I am a huge fan of yours. <laughs> I am such a huge fan. I, like, I feel like I've just had this, like, I don't know, like a honeymoon with you. I feel like I watched you on screen. I saw your work as a director, as a writer, and now I got to speak with you and I've just uh, enjoyed all aspects of, uh, of you. Thank you. I, re I really love this too. Thank you so much. Oh, just amazing. I just love, I love all my chats with these firecrackers. It's extraordinary. And uh, Tina is absolutely no exception. You can follow Tina on Twitter at Tina Juan, Tina H-U-A-N-G, and on Instagram at T-I-N-A-H-U-A-N-G 381. Also, make sure you follow One to One Productions on Twitter and Instagram at One to One Productions. You can stream Wedlock, Sheen, and he was asking for it on Real Women's Network right now. One to One also co-produced the musical parody video, Mummies, an American parody, currently available on YouTube. You know what? Here's the thing. I give you all this information, but all those links are going to be available in our show notes. And of course, make sure you're following Real Women's Network. Find them on Instagram at Real, R-E-E-L, Women's Network, or on Twitter at R-E-E-L Women's N-E-T-W and the number one. In all cases, just check our show notes. It's easier. We'll get you the links. We'll get you there. Or just write to us. We'll share the firecracker love. Don't you worry. We're going to be bringing you a new creator from the Real Women's Network every month. So watch out for those new voices and then check out what's available to stream right now at realwomensnetwork.com. And stay tuned to our socials at firecrackerdept for all the updates and all those announcements because there's a lot going on and we want you to be part of it. Thanks everybody. Thanks for joining us on Firecracker Department. We'll see you next time. Winnie Wong is our Firecracker head producer. Follow her at wonder underscore Wong on Instagram and wonder underscore Wong eight on Twitter. Sydney Nielsen is our co-producer and head editor. You can follow them at Sydney underscore Nielsen. Sydney, like Australia. Nielsen, like milk. You can follow me on social media at my last name, at Sneekus, S-N-I-E-C-K-U-S. The rest of the team comes at you from Toronto, Los Angeles, Austin, London, Dubai, and truly from all over the world. And we are so excited and feel so lucky to have two amazing, incredible firecracker interns for the winter of 2021. Fran Caviello and Saba Dolati. And I have to say, these are firecracker humans to their core, and we're so lucky to have them with us. Get into the full Firecracker Department core team at firecrackerdepartment.com slash about, because we're always updating and we're always growing. Stay tuned to our newsletter for advanced updates on our monthly meditations, upcoming mentorship workshops, live script department readings, festival partnerships, weekly writing workouts, and dates for 2021, and so much more. There's lots going on in Firecracker Department. Don't forget, we also have a weekly brunch on Zoom every Sunday, and our live Firecracker follow-ups return this month, so stay tuned to our socials for who and when. Now, whether you're a first-time or a long-time listener to the Firecracker Department, 
We always, always want to hear from you. We love hearing what quotes, the specifics, the nuances of things that stuck with you from each of the episodes. We mean it. We really do. And we respond to every single thing that comes our way. If it gives your brain goosebumps or it piques your curiosity or makes you want to stop and write something down, send it back to us or our firecracker guest or both. I mean, everybody likes to know that when they put something out into the world, that it resonates. And if it sparks something in you, use that creativity to take some creative action. Let us know. Share it because it just reverberates, you know? If you see somebody being creative, that might spark somebody else's creativity. So pay it forward. Thanks also to Jeff Malutinovic and Igor Korea for our theme music. And thanks to you. Yeah, you. Sitting there, driving there, walking there, working out there and taking time to listen. We know there's a lot of options out there and we really appreciate you choosing us. We hope to see you at the Firecracker online community, maybe brunch, maybe the writing workshop. Come on and share some time with us. And until next time, thank you for listening to the Firecracker Department. We'll see you next time.